Hey, Lebanon Christian Church. Uh, again, we're, we're glad you've joined us on this Sunday after Christmas. I, I know that the Sunday after Christmas uh, for many kind of has just a, a weird vibe, right? Uh, for, for many, it's kind of even this, this somber feeling. There's been so much anticipation of what's leading up to Christmas, uh, to a Christmas celebration, whether that's Christmas Eve or, or Christmas Day. There's just a whole lot of anticipation, and that goes for kids and adults. We've seen presents wrapped in, in, in bows beneath the tree and, and bags filled with tissue paper, brimming with tissue paper, overflowing, and, and our minds have been curious. What's there? What did they get me? And we shake the gifts, and we wonder what's inside, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. There's been preparation. There's been baking. Uh, there have been parties. Uh, not, not quite like we've had in years past, right? But, but I know you've had get-togethers, and you've had some fun small gatherings. You, you've sung carols. You've watched your favorite movies. There's been so much anticipation, and then suddenly it's over. There, there are empty boxes beneath the tree. Maybe, maybe there's even uh, some wadded-up wrapping paper still there. The needles are starting to fall from the live trees, and the artificial trees are kind of losing their luster. There's just kind of a, a weird feeling following Christmas. So, maybe to cheer you up a little bit, maybe to have some interaction if you're watching this with others, or, or just to kind of have some, uh, some fun mental exercises if you're watching this alone, uh, let's play a little game. It's called Would You Rather. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a game called Would You Rather, and when uh, you play it, basically you're entertaining hypothetical choices. And so I'll give you a question, and then you'll answer it. And here's what will make the game work much better is if you actually answer it. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a pause in between questions, and then uh, you can share if you're watching with other people with the, those that you're with and uh, think about these things. It's going to be Would You Rather Christmas Edition, okay? So here's the first one. Would you rather, now again, you've got to make a choice, okay? Uh, it's not saying that you're going to do this. These are hypothetical. But would you rather drink a cup of eggnog or a mug of hot cider? Would you rather drink a cup of eggnog or a mug of hot cider? Go ahead and answer. I know some of you don't want to play along. Now go ahead and answer. Would you rather drink a cup of eggnog or a mug of hot cider? I, I think if I had my choice, as much as I like eggnog, I'd probably choose the, the spiced cider. Just something about drinking a warm cider uh, in a recliner or something, it just, it's, it's encouraging to me. Here's the next question. Would you rather pick up pine needles for weeks following Christmas or have a whole row of lights on your pre-lit artificial tree go out? Would you rather pick up pine needles for weeks following Christmas because of your live tree or have a whole row of lights on your pre-lit tree go out? 
what would you choose? I know for me, I, I would choose the, the pine needles. We haven't had a live tree in years. I, I kind of miss it. But there's nothing more frustrating to me than when, when a row of lights goes out. Hey, here's a third question. Would you rather step on Legos barefoot or a hook from an ornament? Would you rather step on Legos barefoot or a hook from an ornament? And, and, and here's another question. Would you rather have peanut butter fudge or chocolate fudge? Now, that's something we probably all can get around, right? One or the other. Would you rather have peanut butter fudge or chocolate fudge? If, if I had to choose, I'd choose the peanut butter fudge. Now, here's a little bit harder one. Would you rather have a wrapped gift beneath the tree that, that you know is yours, but you can't even get to what's inside or use what's there? Or have an empty box and be able to use what's inside or what was inside? Would you rather have a beautiful gift beneath the tree, but you can't use what's inside, or have an empty box and you're able to use what was inside? You know, there's a lot of anticipation that leads up to Christmas. There's the curiosity. There's the, the wonder. But, but ultimately... Really, the fulfillment is when you get to have what's in the stocking, what's, what's in the box, what's in the package. See, I, I'd rather have what's inside. Now, the anticipation is fun, you know, uh, the wondering, what is it? What, what, what do they get me? There's just fun in that. But it's even more fun to actually use what's been given. You know, throughout this Advent season, We've been looking at this final week in, in Jesus' earthly life. This week leading up to his death and his burial. A week that includes his, his resurrection. And we launched the Christmas season saying that this is a season of anticipation. This is a, a season of hope. And so we've, we've kind of leaned into that. And, and as we've anticipated hope, we've, we've found evidence of peace and we've found evidence of joy and we've found evidence of, of love. On Christmas Eve, we, we looked at just the evidence of what God has done in sending Christ to die for us. Christmas is a season of anticipation. You know, the people... Uh, in the times preceding Jesus, anticipated a Messiah. They longed for, they waited for the time when, when God would unwrap that gift for them. We know the immediate days of Jesus' life were, were days of anticipation. Rome was oppressing the Jewish people in Judea and, and Galilee. 
we know that Mary and Joseph were likely filled with anticipation. I mean, come on. You've had angels visit you. The angel has told you, if you're Mary, that you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Like, like how could there not be anticipation? If you're Joseph, you've heard these things. You've, you've trusted in the dream that God has given you, the, the angel speaking to you. How could there not be anticipation? And then in the, in the Christmas season, we, we, we talk about this Jesus. As we've journeyed through Luke as a church in 2020, we, we, we've seen this anticipation in the people around him. Well, for every lesson that Jesus teaches, for every parable that he tells, for, for every miracle, for every healing, for, for every storm that's calmed, for, for every dead man that's raised, for, for every blind man that can see, for every demon-possessed, haunted soul that's born free. It's as though the gift that's in Jesus, the bow is being untied, the paper slowly being torn away, we're getting closer to the reality of what's inside. So much anticipation. So much hope. As you open your gifts on Christmas, doesn't the anticipation build that the closer that you get to actually opening? And isn't there a moment when that anticipation and that wonder gives way to a deeper fullness as you lay, a, lay hold of what's inside the box? Throughout this Advent season, we've been looking to this gift of Jesus and the reality, the fullness of what it means. We're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. Luke chapter 24 is that moment when we go from having a beautifully wrapped package, even an ornate box, to, to having an empty box and the, the gift in hand. The final chapter of Luke tells a story of what happened for those who had walked with Jesus who had trusted in Jesus, those who had anticipated so much. They'd heard the ancient prophecy, and the ancient prophecy wrapped up this beauty of the Messiah and put a bow on it, and they anticipated this wonderful gift. And then they thought that the gift was no more. They thought that they had an empty box with nothing inside. But Luke 24 tells the story of when those who hoped in Jesus, those who followed him, those who adored him, came to realize that he'd kept his promise, that he'd done everything that he said he would do, that, that he had fulfilled the law and the prophets. That, that hope was assured, that peace was assured, that joy was assured, that love was assured. 
You're familiar with so many of these stories. I just want to start with the beginning of Luke 24, the first 10 verses. They tell a story of of an empty box. Well, really an empty tomb. But the empty tomb and the empty box communicate the same thing. The gift is here. It's ready to be used. On the first day of the week, this is Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I can't imagine what that must have felt like in that moment. You've already spent the weekend grieving. You come to the tomb to finish preparing the body for permanent burial, being sealed in the tomb. And you get there, and the stone's gone. But even more, the one you love is gone. You know, there are times that you'll see a story in the news about grave robbers, uh, people who are just... I mean, some of, the, some of the worst in society who would go and dig up graves and steal bodies. And when that happens, the family of the loved one that was in that grave, they're, they're just devastated. And I imagine it's a little bit what these women went through. What happened? Where did he go? And they're asking all those questions. Here's what happens, verse 4, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered His words. Suddenly, as the angels are gleaming near them, the light bulbs start going off. This is what He said He would do. This is what we've been anticipating. It's here. The box is empty. Verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. It's as though those angels were saying, the the, the tomb is empty, the box is empty, what you've been waiting for, it is here. I think it's hard for us to fully appreciate the weight of what happened that resurrection morning. Now, we, we believe in the promise of it. We, we try to understand it, but, but it's just so magnificent. Those women were coming, anticipating a lifeless body, and they were told of a living Lord. And in that moment, not only did their perspective on death completely change, 
But the reality of death completely changed. One of the greatest things that we get to hold because the tomb is empty, because the box is empty, one of the greatest things that we get to have, that we get to realize, that we get to live in, is that death doesn't have the final say. Do you remember those words of 1 Corinthians chapter 15? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57, we have these words that says, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who's given us victory through Jesus Christ. As Jesus conquered the grave, as Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sin, He died for our sins, but as He conquered the grave, then death doesn't get the final say. Sorrow may last for a night, as the psalmist says in Psalm 30, verse 5, but joy, it comes in the morning. Joy always comes in the morning because of Jesus. There's no reason to be somber two days after Christmas. Yeah, the boxes are empty, but the boxes are empty, and that means that what you have been given, you get to use. You get to ride on the sled. You get to play on the gaming system. You get to hold the phone. You get to play with the the toy truck. You get to wear the clothes. Because the tomb is empty, death doesn't win. And one of the promises that we get to have as followers of Jesus is that death has been conquered. COVID may claim a life, but it doesn't claim the story. Because God prevails, and those who trust in Him, they live on. The box is empty. The tomb is empty. And because of that, we possess the reality that death does not prevail. Oh, it's coming for all of us, right? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow in this world. But we can be guaranteed life forevermore with Him. We unwrap that in Christmas. And it's a beautiful gift. We don't have to be afraid. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's taken away in the empty box of the empty tomb. But that's not all. Look look at where Jesus goes from there. A couple of the people that were apparently with the eleven are Cleopas and his friend. There are these two men who, through the account of verses 13 through uh, the verse 33, 34 of chapter 24, who had come to Jerusalem, Uh, They'd come for Passover. They'd come to be with Jesus. And and then Jesus died. So here at the end of their Passover celebrations, these two men, they begin the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. That's that's a pretty long hike, six miles per hour. That's about a a six- to seven-hour journey, maybe longer. And as they walk, we're we're told that a stranger joins them on the way. Now, Now Luke tells us in his report that that stranger is Jesus, but he also tells us in verse 16 that they were kept from recognizing him. And so these these men are talking about what's happened. They're joined by another who listens in, and they don't know that it's Jesus, just a stranger. And so Jesus asks a question. Verse 17, what are you discussing together as you walk? The men are perplexed. (laughs) What do you mean? What are we talking about? Like, have you been hiding under a rock all weekend? Jesus is probably thinking, "Eh, yeah, kind of. (laughs) 
he can see it in their eyes. We're told their faces are downcast. They're they're sad. They they, they don't know what to make of it all. And, And they kind of speak back to him. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> you got to love Jesus. If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, like, he's the one who rose from the dead, and here he is. He's like, what, what, what are you talking about, guys? Come on, tell me. He kind of plays dumb. And so they go on. About Jesus, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They'd seen the gift. It was shiny. It was bright. And they hoped that it was theirs. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen vision of angels who had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't find Jesus. These men are holding on to a thread of hope. Maybe he's alive. But they can't completely buy in. And and so Jesus takes a moment to teach them. He said in verse 25, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Jesus, like, come on, guys. Like, Like, isn't this what was proclaimed? Isn't this what I told you? Now, obviously, he's not using the first person there because they still don't know who he is. But but then he does something else. He just traces for them the whole history, the whole hope of God's people. He's got their attention for the next five, six hours or more. And it tells us that, verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He shared with them what had been fulfilled in all the scriptures concerning himself. So as the journey begins to end and they they come into Emmaus, they invite Jesus to stay for the evening. So it says Jesus went into the table, verse 30. He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He started to give it to them. He broke bread just like he had in the upper room. I'm guessing a story that Peter and John and the others had maybe told to the other disciples as they awaited over the Sabbath for what might happen. And look what happened, verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. But look at the response. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? These men who were downcast, these men who were perplexed by their circumstances, 
now because of the reality of the resurrection, had burning hearts of passion and zeal and hope. You know what we have access to? Not only a living hope in the face of death, but you and I have access to a hope that helps us even when the circumstances of life perplex us. And while we, we, we have to be honest, there, there are far more difficult, far more perplexing things that have happened throughout our world in 2020 than what's happened right here in the United States of America, than what's happened right here in Lebanon, what's happened in your life and my life. But even though there are difficult things and there are violent, oppressive regimes throughout the world, even though there are people enslaved throughout the world, even though there are people who are, are persecuted and, and bleed for their faith, the reality is, is that our circumstances here have still been hard. They, they've still been difficult. They've still been perplexing. It's our reality. And I'm guessing that there are some of you, I don't, actually, I don't even have to guess. I, I know that there are some of you, because you've shared the story with me. You're downcast. The year has been hard for you. And what I hope that you'll see, and I hope that every follower of Jesus will see, that because of the reality of the resurrection, that you can have a heart burning within you. Because you know that the God can transform our greatest trials into things that, that encourage and inspire and help other people. And God can take our darkest days and He can turn them into this brilliant, beautiful light that shines like a million lumens as something. There is so much that God has done and been faithful to and for in 2020. And we can see that faithfulness because we know that, 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 that COVID, that, that a job loss, that a financial strain, that it doesn't win the day, that, that, that those things are temporary. And they're hard, but they're temporary. And, and we have that promise because the box is empty, because the tomb is empty, because Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. There's not a reason to be somber this Sunday after Christmas because the box is empty, the tomb is empty, the gift is here. His Spirit lives inside all of us who call upon Him in faith. We're baptized into Him, His Spirit fills us. We have the, the power of the risen Christ within us to lean into the hardships of today and the unknowns of tomorrow. The box is empty. The gift is here. We get to live in that reality. Jesus then goes on to appear to his disciples, and it's much of the same. He just changes their whole perspective, right? But as we end, I want to draw your attention to the words of verse 52. Luke 24, 52. Jesus is taken up to heaven. We're actually going to look at this account next week from the perspective of Luke in Acts chapter 1. But for right now, I want you to see something 
in verse 52. It says, Then they, the disciples, the people following him, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. And what are those last three words? I'm reading from the NIV today. What are those last three words? They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Do you remember the prayer of, of Jesus in John 15? That his joy would be in them and that joy would be complete. They have it. Oh, do you remember the words of the angel to the shepherds from Luke chapter 2? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. What happens next? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. It will be. It's not yet. Jesus prays that their joy will be complete. It's, it's not yet. But following the resurrection, what do the disciples have? With great joy. God packaged up the joy, the hope, the peace, the love, the life, the purpose that we all need. He packaged it up and he sent it in Jesus. And because Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again, the box is empty, the tomb is empty, and we have it. You and I can live in that. If we will believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, if we will believe in the one whom God sent, if we will confess him with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, and if that faith will drive us to identify with him in baptism, we, we're made new, we're made whole. And you can live, and I can live with great joy. The box is empty. The tomb is empty. And there is perfect peace, perfect hope, perfect joy, perfect love available to all of us. Let's pray, thanking God for that. God, I thank you so much that the tomb is empty. I thank you, God, that you gave the gift and we get to live in the reality of that gift, that it changes our days now. And God, I, I pray for every man, every woman, every child watching this, that, that they could be filled with the reality of your hope. And God, if they've yet to believe in you, that, that this would be the moment that changes, that they would choose to confess, that they believe that you are real, that they would believe in their hearts, that they would choose to, to respond to you in faith, that they would reach out, that they could um, talk with maybe one of our ministers or, or maybe a friend of theirs that's a Christian, and, and that they could uh, choose to go all in, to be baptized into you, to be renewed, to, to find that hope for themselves. And God, no matter where people have, have come to this message today, no matter the hardships they face, may they be filled with your perfect peace and your perfect hope and your perfect joy and your perfect love. And I pray this in, in the name of your Jesus, the risen Son. Amen.